Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice, I am so thrilled today that you have chosen to stop by and listen to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. We are here today to talk about something that I know is in the news all the time. You know, if you if you listen to YouTube or Facebook or any of the social media, they're always talking about this thing of inner wisdom, clarity, bringing your whole self to the workplace. And for many people who listen to my podcast and people that I work with, the thought of actually bringing their true self, their authentic self, their inner self, their inner wisdom to work is a pretty dangerous thing to do, or at least it feels like it's a dangerous thing to do. Well, I want to give you today some tips and techniques on a conversation that will lead you to want to explore and maybe try a couple things. My guest today is Karen Ann Bullock. Karen is the CEO of a company called Higher Self Solutions. She specializes in helping corporate leaders and any kind of person who is even aspiring to be a leader, to bring their whole self into a workplace so that they can work and lead with courage, calm, and clarity. All of us are leaders. As you know, if you've heard me talk before, you know that I think I don't care who you are, if you work in a corporation, every day you are influencing and inspiring other individuals to listen to you, to be present with you, and to take advice from you, just as you are doing the same things with other people. So the stuff that me and Karen are going to talk about today are things that I think anybody can walk away with right now and understand that as you have your work life, even your home life, you need to be clear about what it means to be in alignment with who you are and to be able to tap into understanding that and changing that from that intention to your behavior, which is what everyone watches, judges, and chooses to cooperate and co-create with you. So with that, good morning, Karen Ann. Good morning, Denise. How are you today? (laughs) I am fabulous. I am fabulous. You know, fit as a fiddle and ready to play, you know? (laughs) Yay. (laughs) That is awesome. I am the same. It's a gorgeous day here in New Jersey, and I am so excited to be here with you. Cool. Very cool. So my listeners know me, but they don't know you. Would you like to tell us something about yourself that both on the professional side, but I always like something that people can walk away with and say, wow, I didn't know that about her. Um, okay. Well, the one thing that I think is very unusual about me on the per- on the personal side is um, at one part of my life, I was a pilot and I was actually an aerobatic pilot. So I oh. turned airplanes upside down <laughs> and did all <laughs> kinds of fun things with them. I always called it, it was like being on a roller coaster without a track. 
Oh, you know what? That, that's, that, that's an interesting metaphor for and a place for us to start with, you know, because the world kind of is upside down right now. It is. If you have a, if you can think back and say, what did flying planes and from an aerobatic point of view, what did that teach you? Well, it certainly taught me to get outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. It taught me to take risks. It taught me, though, that I had to prepare and and practice. Mm-hmm. Right? I had to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I had to be able to respond and react very quickly in the face of changing conditions and circumstances. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, because when you're flying an airplane, particularly small planes, there's so many environmental factors that can can impact things and you need to be able to react to it and be ready to react to it. Wow. And if, you know, that is the essence of what we are facing, period. So much transformational change, regardless of where you're at, you know, from and what industry you're in or whether you've even chosen, you know, with the pandemic extending far longer than we thought it would or and dealing with whether we wear masks, don't wear masks. You know, what do we do with our children? So, you know, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or someone who's trying to bridge the two worlds of being a parent and someone who works or someone who's just trying to deal with the working situation um, at all times, it, that is such a good analogy of being prepared for things that are environmental that you really have no control over, but yet you've got to be able to react to, respond to. Right. Yeah. And quickly. So tell us some more about your background. What else have you been practicing? I love that word. (laughs) To acquire (laughs) and then implement (laughs) the skills of others. I have been practicing a lot of leadership skills in my career. So I was in corporate for over 30 years. I was in management or leadership positions for most of that time. I ended up as a an executive vice president at my company before I left. So I had was in charge of a business unit and had lots of opportunities to learn and practice leadership skills and management skills and all of those fun things during that time. I'm also recently practicing and enhancing my writing skills because I've always wanted to be a writer. I was an English major in college. Okay. Mm. I will confess. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was an English major in college. Yes. And so I will confess that I love to write. I love to read. And one of the things that I've been doing since I left corporate is writing. So I have been, but that also requires practice and learning and trying new things. Okay. And, you know, for my listeners, if you want to hear more about um, her, she has recently written a book called Ascending Ladders. Tell us something about Ascending Ladders. What does that mean? Well, Ascending Ladders is talking about the dichotomy that we often face when we are trying to ascend the corporate ladder. And it was a playoff of that because here you have the heroine, a woman, her name is Cheryl, and she is climbing the corporate ladder and she's got herself to a, a nice position and she's feeling comfortable. And then the board of directors changes and the company culture starts to change and she gets really uncomfortable with how things are going. Mm. Like things are happening that she's just not happy with. Mm-hmm. And like what? She has to decide. Well, the first thing the story opens with her watching some of her employees being marched out of the door by guards because there's a mass layoff going off. Oh my. Going on. 
And so she's sitting there watching and she knew the layoff was coming, obviously, as a part of the management team, but she did not know that they were going to handle it by bringing guards in from the outside and and marching people out. Mm. And she's pretty appalled by that happening because she doesn't feel like that's the way that people should be treated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So she has to decide, okay, how, how am I going to respond to this? How am I going to to react to this new situation? This isn't who I am, but you know, I know as a corporate leader, I'm expected to toe the corporate line and just say, well, this is the most effective way to do it. And we wanted to make sure nobody sabotaged the business and, you know, all those reasons why companies do that and companies do it. And there are some valid reasons for it. I'm not going to disagree that there are people that sabotage the company when they're getting laid off. So, you know, it's not completely out of the blue, but it's so opposed to her values. Okay. And she has to figure out how to, how to respond to that. You know, what you're talking about is leading with integrity, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're right. You paint a nice picture of there are some valid reasons because some small number of people are, you know, potentially would do harm to the companies because they're angry when, you know, mass layoffs cause people to be extremely angry. And we do things out of anger that we wouldn't do when we're more calm and more centered and not angry in essence of it. And having been in HR for only count 25 years, I've had to be one of those people who had to make the decision about, you know, we've got to lay off people. We've got to give severances. We've got to decide what we're going to do. And you're absolutely right. A big factor is not the fact that we have to make this tough decision, but how do we implement the tough decision? But too many leaders spend their time saying, okay, this is kind of how we're going to march. And then they take their eye off. And they find themselves in the situation that you're describing um, with this particular leader, where suddenly they raise their head up and they realize that people are implementing what they think are the best things to do, but they're not, it's not in alignment with their integrity. Right. Why does that happen? How does it that we we just kind of miss that boat of making sure things are aligned with our values? Well, in the case of Cheryl, it was kind of out of her control. She didn't know that this was going to happen, partially because HR and the the president of the company were being secretive about it. They they didn't share their plan, probably because they knew it was going to be unpopular, which mm-hmm. often happens, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so she was she was caught out of the blue with this, but I think we get stuck doing our jobs, right? We get focused on the output, the the measurables, the the things that we're supposed to be accomplishing, and you get just so blind, you know, narrow focused on that, almost blinded, you know, like blinders, like a mm-hmm. horse wears, right? You get your blinders on. Okay, I've got to get this done. This is what needs to get done. We're moving forward, ba 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 ba, and you lose sometimes lose sight of what's going on around you with some of the, the softer skills were those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's very easy because we're under so much pressure to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's so it's coming specifically just from a reaction point of view? We're just trying to be blinded on it or is there something else that's going on? I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, hey, we need, you know, we need, we need our jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, we need, we need the job. And we've got families to provide for or ourselves to provide for, you know, whatever, but we we need the job and we are doing what we have to do to keep the job. Mm -hmm. And 
you sort of buy into the culture. You also get, I guess, indoctrinated. That's probably a strong word, but you sort of get indoctrinated the cultures, particularly places you've been for a long time. Right. Well, this is just the way it is, right? right? And you sort of sometimes don't even know any different mm-hmm. or think of, stop to think about, is there anything different? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so those things happen too. So if I'm an aspiring leader and I'm trying to decide how do I navigate in this, what are some things that you would recommend that I stay, start paying attention to? Well, you start paying attention and you mentioned it in the introduction, which is really key, is you pay attention to people's actions. Mm-hmm. What what are they doing? Not necessarily what they're saying, because those aren't always the same things. Right. And you pay, you pay attention to what people are doing, what messages you're being given, what messages you're giving being given to pass on to others. Mm-hmm. And are, are the messages like, does the company's mission statement really play out and how the company acts yeah. both internally and externally. Yeah. Those kinds of things are things that are really important to pay attention to. And when management changes, okay, are they doing the things the same way or a different way? And are their actions aligned with the values too? I, w- I want to bring it down a little bit more on this because your language is like the corporation and the company and yeah. those people out there. Right. The company is, you know, a leader has to decide, my opinion, a leader has to decide for the individual. And then they have to understand how their their individual self impacts other people. Hopefully it's in a positive way. But also they have to be savvy about the ecosystem that they're in, which is what you're talking about when you say the organization, those people, the higher ups, you know, that kind of language. It's the they create kind of the culture or ecosystem in which we all have to kind of swim in. And I think sometimes it's it's hard to get a handle on, you know, the ecosystem or the culture. But I have a relationship with my boss. What if my boss or a colleague is doing things that are not aligned with my personal values? And I'm not talking about an ethical malfeasance, you know, line, you know, those kinds of things. But you find yourself in a culture that gossips and that's not who you are. You're not there or you have a boss who can't have tough conversations with you for whatever reason. I may not be conscious of my value is, is around integrity. Um, so there's a couple of questions I have here. So one, in your mind or from your words, what is integrity? And then the other side of it is, is once you kind of understand and really can resonate, give me a story about how you figured out this thing about integrity. How do I move in a world or with somebody, I'm going to say with someone who really is kind of out of, you know, not in line with my integrity or their behavior is such that it's not in, my, in line with mine? That's a lot of questions. Let's let's go back to integrity and start there mm-hmm. with what that means. To me, integrity means living out your values, being true to them in and knowing what they are. And to your point, a lot of people don't even know what they are. So I mean, to, to some place you have to start with what's really important to me. What what are my values? Some things we know intuitively, like you brought up gossip, right? Some people, okay, I don't, I don't like to gossip. So I'm, you know, I know that's a value of mine. I don't want to gossip, but sometimes you get caught up in, this is the culture. This is what everybody does. They gossip. So you get pulled along in it without even really thinking about it, Mm -hmm. without really consciously saying, 
is this something I should be doing or not doing? So the first step is kind of to pull back and say, what really is important to me mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. What kind of behavior do I want to be promoting, showing to people, you know, being out in the world? What, what kind of behavior am I expecting of myself, mm-hmm. really? And then once you know what kind of behavior you expect yourself, integrity is, is then living out that behavior. Okay. All right. And so, you know, sometimes I talk about um, my values. So mine have been um, faith, family, and then work. So I was very clear that when I was managing my calendar, I would make sure that projects worked or I was finished with projects in time so that I could show up for my kids. That was important to me. And it required that I really had to be conscious of project management, time management, and relationship management so that I knew that I wasn't going to get a last minute, you know, frequently what can happen is, you know, it's five o'clock, I need to be getting out of there or six o'clock, I need to be getting out of there. And, you know, you get that telephone call that says, I need you to look up and go get and immediately. (laughs) And I'd have to make a tough decision between it was a time when I didn't have a cell phone that could, I could go, okay, no problem. I'll just tap in as I'm sitting, watching my daughter on the cross country race or something like that. I had to make a decision of, no, I'm not going to do it now. I'll get back to it. And so there's always this tough conversation that you have to be prepared for. Exactly. What does that look like? How do you help or coach people through those tough conversations when now I've discovered what my values are? And I want to start getting an alignment and have integrity around those. We have to start small. You can't tackle everything at once. In other podcasts, you've talked about being a change agent, right? And and in a lot of ways, you're being a change agent for yourself. And you know, as being a change agent, changing things, people don't, are going to resist it, right? Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to expect is once you decide to make a change, you can't expect everybody to jump on board Mm -hmm. (laughs) with you right away. So to some degree, you have to start small. And part of starting small might be just to communicate, hey, it's very important for me to spend time with my kids, to your boss or to your team or to anybody who needs to know this. And I'm going to draw a boundary. I'm going to say, you don't have to use the word boundary, but I'm going to say, I have to stop work by five o'clock so that I can be available to go to my kids' games or whatever. Now, if you need something after five o'clock or at five o'clock, I'll check back in at eight o'clock, right? So you then then you set an expectation of what you will do, right? Mm-hmm. So you're not saying, no, I'm not going to do this at all. But then you can kind of say, well, okay, this is what I will do, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll check back in at eight o'clock in the evening and get back to anything that's urgent. Get back to you if, if something is urgent. Like the example of somebody calling up at five o'clock as you're walking out the door, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, it happens regularly. It does. And so if you set the expectation, you have the conversation with your boss ahead of time or your team or whoever, or your you know constituents in, in whatever form that takes, that can set the stage. Mm-hmm. Now, does that, does that mean they're going to like it? Does that mean they're going to honor it off the bat? Probably not. So you know, the next time somebody calls at five o'clock saying, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, boss, I know this is really important. I will get back to you at eight o'clock tonight about this. But right now, I'm sorry, I really need to leave or I need to check out or get offline or whatever it is. Those are hard things to do. And you have to start small. You've got to be patient with yourself because that's a scary thing to do. So you, yeah. take it, you take it in baby steps with any change. You do it 
you communicate and then you take it in baby steps. And it's interesting, um, you know, because we kind of started with the individual side of this. So let's move to the leader side of this. You know, too many organizations don't have published values. So they haven't gone through or they've published some values, but they haven't gone through. If this is what my word is about, this is what I'm saying to people, what behaviors do we have to have in place that sends the signal that this is what integrity, honesty, um, transparency, you know, we see all of those now. It's kind of popular corporate values out there. This is what that means when you're in situations where you have to have tough conversations. And I find, I don't know about you, but so share your experience when working with leaders, everything is fine as long as you're following the values from my point of view. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, 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 and yes. But, you know, if if I have to negotiate with you around five o'clock and you're talking about leaving and it's not even always, you know, it could be, you know, there was a time I didn't have kids and I, I was in a racquetball league and I needed that exercise because, you know, working is tough and I needed that release so that I could stay sane. And so I could very easily say I got to leave five o'clock because I got this racquetball game that I, I'm a team member to and I need to do. But that was going to require some serious negotiations on that. So as a leader, when we publish these values, when we talk about these are our corporate values, how have you helped them create teams that can live from a place of their inner wisdom or at least they're in, we're all aligned around this? You have to talk about it. You have to have the conversations mm-hmm. to say, okay, we published, it, it, it's more than just putting values on a piece of paper and saying, okay, these are what they are. You do have to sit down and talk about the team and what does this mean mm-hmm. and get everybody's input. Mm-hmm. And as a leader, you have to have that conversation with the people, your direct subordinates, and they have to have them, you know, down, down the line. And then there needs to be feedback, you know, that comes back up, right? right. But the best way to do that is really in smaller groups and sit down with teams of people that are working together and talk about what do these values mean in this group? What do they mean to you? How would this change your behavior? Mm-hmm. And you've got to have the conversations and pull it because you're right. You can put a word on a piece of paper like integrity, and it might mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. It probably will mean different things to different people. Any value will. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to create a common understanding in the organization about what that means and come to at least somewhat of a mutual agreement on it. I mean, it's hard to find total consensus. I know we're fond of consensus. It's a great thing to aspire to, but we rarely get it. Let's face it. It's it's very hard to get 100% consensus on things. Right. You might not get 100% consensus, but maybe you can get 90% or 85%. And then individuals can work out that last in between themselves. Or somebody may decide, no, this isn't, this value isn't right for me at all. And and then may look for another job. I mean, that's possible too. Yeah. But you've got to talk about it. It's Mm got to be something that's discussed and lived. Mm -hmm. You know, it can't just be okay, these are the values. Mm-hmm. And um, I see too many organizations where the, the values are exactly that. They're, they're, they're the values and they're put on a piece of paper and they're not discussed and, 
And if they're not discussed, then they're really not lived. So you, you mentioned earlier about being, you know, a change agent and other, so my listeners know I talk about being a change agent versus agent of change, you know, and when you're a leader, you're really an agent of change. It's your job to design it and to manage the process of change going through an organization until you reach the, at least are making significant steps towards the vision or what results we're trying to achieve out of that. So talk to me a little bit about when you get a client or you work with an organization and they're in the middle of a change, you know, new CEO company is not making the kind of money that they need to make. Why would somebody step up and deal with this? I mean, if you're new to an organization and this is kind of the way we do things around here. <laughs> oh, believe me, Denise, I lived with that because I lived, I, I worked in an organization where, where people often said, this is, we've always done things that way. Yeah. And it's like, okay. I'm not saying you can't do it that way anymore, but <laughs> but is it the best way, right? To challenge people, but that's hard to do. So what how would you coach somebody who's stuck in that? You know, what would you have looking back when you were in those situations, what would you tell yourself that you've learned, you know, since you didn't know then, but now <laughs> boy, if I was in that, I would tell myself. <laughs> Well, I would tell myself to ask more questions, really. The biggest way to change is to change somebody's mind, Yeah. right? And sometimes to change their minds, you get them, have to get them to think differently. So Mm -hmm. one thing I learned and, you know, going, I think going through my coaching program really helped with this, but it's really about asking people questions and making, letting them question themselves instead of you questioning them or telling them something. If you've got the time and you can sit down and do that and and towards the later part of my career, I think I got better at that asking questions, saying to someone, well, okay, yes, you've always done it this way. What works best about doing it this way? What frustrates you about working, doing it this way? If you could change one thing about this, don't ask them to change the whole thing, but like, if you could change one thing about this, what right, would right. you change? Right. right. So, so rather than, than do a wholesale thing is, is, is if you really can mm-hmm. walk people through it because people are going to change more, better, quicker, if it's their idea to some, to some degree, or certainly they buy into it. They see the reasons why and, but questions and, are, are very helpful with that. Yeah, yeah. And most of us are very bad at designing questions, right? <laughs> you have any tips for that? Well, the thing you want to avoid is yes and no questions. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, that, that's, that's probably the biggest tip is try not to ask a question where somebody's going to give you a yes or no answer, but dig into it. Ask why, ask how, don't ask, you know, did you do this or not? Or wouldn't this be better if, right? Don't, don't, don't put words in their mouth, but ask genuine, curious questions that really open them up to talk. Right. I like to, um, as I work with people on these areas, it's asking them for their insight. You know, oh, I saw you do this. Tell me how, what were you thinking? Or, you know, if this went well, tell me how that would go. So that a person has to actually break down their thinking process for me so that I can go, oh, okay. And oftentimes I find that the biggest stumbling block tends to be that I'm so in my head that I haven't thought about the fact that I work with other individuals and that my intention, which is invisible, 
I want people to judge me on the fact that I have a good heart and I have good intentions, et cetera. But what we really judge people on is their behavior, because the only thing we can see is the behavior. behavior. And then that gets translated through my filter of intentions. And in the absence of, of, you know, information, I'm going to fill it in with the worst possible scenario. Usually you don't like me. You don't trust me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) How could you do this to me? (laughs) We we always go to the worst possible scenario. It's crazy, but we always do, which is why questions are and truly curious questions. I think one of the biggest the best attributes you could have as a leader is to be truly curious, really curious about the people, about the processes, you know, about the organization, about your customers. Be true, be curious. Yeah. And curious translates into be a, be a person who's really astute at asking open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what that means. Cause I and, hear that and, all the time. And is willing to listen to the answers. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, you're right. You have to be skilled at asking uh, open-ended question. And you've got to be able to listen enough to be able to keep the conversation going. Is that what you mean? Yep. Yeah. Well, that and and truly be able to truly listen to the answers, even if the answer is not what you want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of times we'll go, how often, particularly, you know, as a leader, when we're trying to get things done, you ask a question, you've got an outcome for that that question, you're mm-hmm. going a specific place, mm-hmm. right? Like I said before, asking people to change, you know, I have an idea about how this process is going to be changed. So I'm going to ask you questions to get you thinking about the process. So you understand that it has to be changed the way I want it to be mm-hmm. changed. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if you're truly curious, then it's not just ask the questions to find out how the the process change is what I want it to be, but is even what I think the process change should be the best solution. Maybe there's a better solution that we can come up with in the course of the conversation that right. not, nobody had thought of before, but right. often we all still get stuck in that right. asking questions. So the being open to really hear the answers and to change your own mind right. because of the answers is is an important part of that equation. Right. right. And to be able to adopt it and um, explain even that um, out of it. You remind me in telling that what you just said, it, it reminded me of a client I was working with a while back who um, she was the, um, you know, vice president of the organization, but she was also, you know, flat organizations, small, small organizations tend to be flatter in scope. Mm-hmm. And yeah. one area they had a young supervisor, somebody who had not been t- high, brilliant technical expert, right? Knew their stuff backwards and forward, but had never really managed people. And they got a couple of people up under them. And she noticed that the guy, so he was a guy, the guy in the group, they were good friends, good buddies, went to the bar and had a beer after work and went, you know, and just kind of hung out, but he didn't do it with the woman where, you know, the guy, if he needed to take time off, oh, sure, I know you're going to get it. But she had to follow this process. You have to put the paperwork in. You have to you know, get permission. Okay. That kind of, <laughs> kind of thing. And so, you know, our conversation, she was saying, well, you know, he doesn't know. I said, did you ask him, what does it mean to be a supervisor? What behaviors are necessary for him to be a a supervisor? Uh, And she said he kept coming back with, well, you know, 
X, Y, Z, he's, he's always got these problems. You know, he's got these kids and he's got to be there for him to help support his wife and uh, wonderful excuses. And the company had a value of, you know, we support families. We support your ability to raise and integrate, not balance, but integrate your life, et cetera. And uh, I just asked her, I said, you know, just just go back and ask him what a supervisor is supposed to do. What outcomes does a supervisor have? How do you have tough conversations with your friend who's been abusing the leave policy and not doing his work? Because she also found out through curiosity that he was actually covering and doing his work. Oh, (laughs) because she could just quicker than going to get him. (laughs) I'll just do it. Yeah. You know, (laughs) um, out of it. And so when you were talking, it just reminded me of, you know, it's not just me understanding my, my, what my values are and how I live out my values, because her value was, is get stuff done. Yep. That was her, you know, we have, we don't have time for stuff not getting done. We're in a fast paced organization. We got to get this thing moving. Let's, you know. Oh, absolutely. And yet here's this, you know, young supervisor who was really struggling with being a good supervisor. And she couldn't get to the point where she was, or she did eventually, but she couldn't see because she was blinded by the value of the organization. Well, we really do have to give it to him, but the behavior he was exhibiting, which was one of the things I was telling her, I said, you know, you could be putting the company at risk. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And what do you mean by risk? I said, well, you're, he's treating a man differently than he's treating the woman. And it's pretty visible. Yep. And, and you're covering up for him by doing his work, by not holding him accountable for equal treatment, equitable treatment in the workplace. That's a problem. So those are the tough conversations that we're faced with right now. As you think about what you've learned and all your experience being a supervisor, being a leader in the organization, et cetera, what are three, well, I'll say one really good one, but if you got three, (laughs) what are three tips that you would offer somebody to help them at least be able to take, take an assessment of or take time to review? How do you lead from a place of integrity? Well, I have three and they're, they're interrelated. But the first place that I would start, and I actually wrote an article about this last week, is listening to your body Mm -hmm. because our bodies are often our first clue that something is wrong, that we are out of alignment with our integrity or with our values, that that we're doing something that really isn't what we think we should be doing. So I, I would start with listening to that. You know, does your, you get a knot in your gut when you go to have a conversation. When you go to do something, you know, does your jaw or your shoulders get tight? Um, do you not want to do something at all? Like you just feel like, oh, you, mm-hmm. you get that, that. So you get that defensive. Shuddering feeling. Right, in your those body. defensive recognition. So right. you fight, flight, or freeze, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and those are sometimes the first place to look and start paying attention to mm-hmm. how, how am I responding? If I'm listening to my body and I'm, I'm 
starting to learn where those trigger points are, mm-hmm. it's a good place to start. Um, then the second thing is to do a values assessment. I mean, we, we say we know what our values are. And, but as you mentioned earlier, sometimes they change during your life. So when you have your kids, your value is one thing. When you're early in your career or later in your career, when kids aren't a factor or less of a factor, your values change. As you grow as a person, your values change. Something right. It's important to do a values assessment, I think, on a regular basis. That's often the first place I start with my clients is let's do a values assessment. Let's see if you you really know what's important and you're really thinking about it. And then the third thing is to start small. As we we talked about earlier, you're not going to change. You're not going to change things overnight. You're not going to change yourself overnight. You're not going to change other people overnight. So start small, pick things. There's a thing. Have you read the four agreements? Yes. Yeah. So the the one thing out of that is the be impeccable with your word, mm-hmm. even with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the first place to start is be impeccable with your word, even with yourself. Okay. Keep, prom- keep promises to yourself, right? Make, mm-hmm. And then as you, you are doing it with yourself, it will become more, I'm not, I'm not saying people go around lying all the time, but you know, you know, you make about, okay, I'm going to do this today. And then you get to the end of the day and you haven't done it. Okay. I'm going to the gym. (laughs) Exactly. And any of those things. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. Right. But but if you say something like that, you better mean it and you better mean you're going to follow up on it and not just throw words around. And I think that's really important. So to some degree, Starting with yourself, it's a great place to start with integrity. Right, right. right. So those, those are my three tips. Well, what was the third one? I got uh, values the, assessment, the start small, with your word. Oh, and imbe- impeccable with your word. Thank you. Right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, we kind of reached the end of the podcast here. I really hope my guests and those who are listening to this found something in it. I know I did. And just talking so through this stuff really helps you figure out what is you know, how you're going to live it, not just think it, but how to live it. You know, I say all the time, the the acquisition of knowledge is not the same as the application of knowledge. You can, you know, it it really is about being about it, right? You know, that kind of thing. In saying that, you know, if you like this, I always say share it. If you didn't like it, share it because the bottom line is, is that growth and being an agent of change is really about the conversation. And we always change results one conversation at a time, right? And so with that, Karen, last words, how can we get a hold of you if we want to talk to you? Well, probably the easiest thing is just to go to my website, which is hireselfsolutions.com. Okay. Or you can email me at Karen at hireselfsolutions.com. Great. Those are two ways to get a hold of me. And this has been a fabulous conversation. I have learned things today too, Denise. So thank you. This is a great, this is a great conversation. I'd love to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But for everybody else, it would mean the world to me if when you listen to this, please share it. But more importantly, could you uh, follow and or write a, what did you get from it? Ask a question. Um, below where, you know, we can put in questions, what it looks like. Uh, We really want to hear from you and we hope that you found value in this. Well, you know what I'm going to say. It's a wrap. See ya. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend, Ivan G. Hall, for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, 
If you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community to subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.